Well, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, so good to see you all. Uh, sad to, to miss the class last week. I haven't even listened to the recording, but I'm confident that uh, Doug, Doug did a great job. Uh, he's taught that class a couple times uh, before, and I always enjoy what he has to say. Um, uh, do we have any uh, updates on anything, Fontaine, before we get started? I questions about confirmation. Yeah. And um, I couldn't remember who we, who is received. I know Catholics and Lutherans. <laughs> and it seems like there's one more. I'll send out an email. It might be uh, Orthodox. Yes. Uh, um, and then also about how sponsoring somebody. Yeah, it'd be good to have somebody uh, who is confirmed to sponsor you uh, for confirmation. And if they don't know anybody, we can help you. Yeah. And by the way, we have some. We've had some folks in the room who are shepherds. Um, I, I I see some some uh, old faces in here, but I don't know how many of you are here to shepherd and who aren't. I'm assuming the names you you are right. Do you all want to introduce yourselves? Sure. If you're looking for a shepherd, are you looking for a. a, a Confirmation sponsor, you might consider one of these folks <laughs> if you don't know anybody. Yeah, I was going to say, we'd be happy to volunteer. Uh, I'm Brent Taines, my wife Amanda. We've been here for about 10 years, I suppose. And we'd be happy to sponsor somebody. Okay. And then you can go to, you can go to Davenport's for pizza afterwards. Right. Yeah, uh, Davenport's. Well, if you twist my arm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sponsor, they just go up and be during confirmation. Right, exactly. Yeah. Could it be the same person for. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, so do you just like talk with them and make sure, you know, like, I mean, is that all they do? They just go up with you? And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're just uh, a witness to, to your faith, basically. Okay. But yeah, somebody who's already confirmed in the Episcopal Church uh, would be, or who has been received in the Episcopal Church, at least, would be good to have. Heather's Shepherd. I was volunteer, but I haven't been yet. Okay. Yeah. In in absentia, right? Yeah. Um, and I went from the sponsoring Chris, and we'll be out of town, so someone else will be playing. Great. Well, that's fine. But by the way, these folks are some folks that we've had in the room uh, all along, uh, or sporadically at least. They're good to get to know in the church. If uh, it's difficult sometimes to talk to me because I have to jet out, and Fontaine sort of swamped with people. Afterwards, uh, these are folks that we trust in the room uh, to answer any questions about the church and maybe maybe some of the theology that's taught in the class. I hope. Um, uh, and uh, well, let's get started. I'm excited about today's lesson. Um, before we start, I want to uh, pray. Uh, the collect actually for today is my favorite, uh, and I've uh, taught a class uh, every year except I wasn't able to this year, but for four years or so. That's an annual review of things that happen in the world. And I use this, this prayer as a framework. Let us pray. O oh, Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I love the line, sundry and manifold changes of the world, that basically 
this sentence you can think of, among the sundry and manifold changes of the world that our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found through Jesus Christ our Lord. Basically, the world is constantly changing. I mean, in terms of fad, um, well, you could just say that, right? I mean, the, the sort of the winds of the world change. Fashion, language, uh, what's popular, what people are sort of keeping up with the Joneses about or whatever it is. But that we're assured into Jesus, uh, of the, the saving hope of Jesus Christ. That thing is fixed. When everything else is sort of a moving target, um, that the, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is, is, is fixed. Um, and I think that relates to what I want to say today. It ought to. I want to talk to you about uh, the sacraments, and I've called it the sacraments of grace. And one phrase that the, the Protestant reformers used in talking about the sacraments is the ordinary means of grace, that, that these means of grace are, are ordinary, you know, taking plain water, plain bread and wine, and, and through the word of God, making them extraordinary. And it's just, it's a, you know, when, like I said, when all the fads of the world are changing, bread still uh, taken in, in the context of a community of believers and wine taken in that same context is an extraordinary thing. This ordinary thing becomes extraordinary because of the grace of God. And that's a fixed thing until Christ comes again. And baptism as well. You know, there's water everywhere, whether it's clean or dirty can be used uh, uh, to, to, to confirm someone's uh, faith. Um, and uh, I haven't, someone asked, uh, I, I didn't teach this in the fall. I just started teaching this lesson in uh, the winter. We did a, our um, intensive section then in January and, and now doing it um, probably every term we do the inquirers class because I think there are so many questions and such a sort of cornerstone thing to think about is baptism and communion. We take communion often uh, at least twice a, a month, maybe uh, maybe every week, depending on what service you go to. Um, and, and baptism, I hope you're baptized. If not, we can get you baptized if you want to. Um, or your children uh, might uh, be baptized if they aren't yet. Or maybe uh, someone will ask you to be a godparent. Um, and so it's helpful to, to, to know what's going what's going on here uh, because they can be kind of confusing. Am I right? I mean, are there questions that you have about baptism and communion? Um, you just nod your head. Is, 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 am I right? And you might find that these things are a little bit mysterious. Um, and so hopefully this is helpful to talk about. I want to use the, uh, the, the handout that we have. Can I get one before we pass it around? Of the... Um, the 39 articles that I've brought in before. And remember that um, if you look in the back of the prayer book, there's the uh, 39 articles of religion and sort of the Elizabethan language, which is actually still pretty understandable and some of the language is great. Um, but this uh, theologian uh, uh, has sort of translated them into modern English without losing the theology, hopefully, uh, but so that they're even more understandable to us. Um, and uh, to start thinking about the sacraments, it's helpful to look at uh, Article 19 on the church. And by the way, if, if you're uh, just coming sort of midstream, the 39 Articles of Religion are a historic uh, sort of confession of faith in the Anglican 
i.e. Episcopal Church uh, tradition um, that is helpful for understanding some sort of uh, cornerstone beliefs when it comes to life in the church. And here's the one about the church. What is the church? According, according to the articles, the visible church of Christ is a gathering of believing people in which the pure word of God is preached and the sacraments are ministered with due order and discipline as ordained by Christ. Together with other churches, the Church of Rome has erred, not only in matters of conduct and ceremonial, but also in matters of doctrine. I mean, we could we could sort of just say with that last sentence, the church in general has erred. <laughs> I mean, at the time, they were responding to the medieval church. That's one thing that's helpful to think about with the articles. It's a it's a document of its time, but still applicable today. There are other concerns that we have. The Church of Rome has erred, but so has every other church. Um, and one place that they're talking about here is with the sacraments is sort of misunderstanding of both, actually. And the thing I want to say about both communion and baptism is they're quite similar in theology. Um, what I'm saying about one, you could sort of apply to the other in terms of what's going on here. But the church is the, the, not the place, not the building, but the gathering of believing people. And in the midst of the believing people might be unbelieving people. Uh, you know, we never know. But the church is where two or three or more are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, right? It's a gathering of people. Um, and what happens there? The pure uh, word of God is preached, proclaimed, shared based on scripture. And then connected to that, the sacraments are administered meaning uh, communion and baptism. And see how they ro that rolls out of the preaching? The sacraments are a sort of visible embodiment of what's happening in the preached word. It's sort of a, almost like a visual aid, uh, but not a mere object lesson, uh, because the word of God is at work even in uh, the sacraments as well. But they're, they're not unrelated. The preaching the communion and the baptism are all related. I often think about <clears throat> the sermon in the service is not sort of, I think often we kind of think about it as sort of the standalone thing. You know, the whole service is happening and the sermon is sort of out of context, but it shouldn't be that way. The whole service, meaning this, if there's the sacrament uh, or, or just the prayers and the sermon should be this one hour, hour and 15, 90 minute, depending on where you are, thing, you know, cohesive thing and it, so it's related to the to the preached word and and that's the church that's it you know there's so much else that goes on you know we got to get the coffee there's the building we got to maintain it costs five hundred thousand dollars a year to manage the city block that's crazy right dispensable <laughs> i mean it's nice i love it i love my office but if a tornado like the one in tuscaloosa six seven years ago was that when it was went through birmingham and wiped out this building the Church of the Advent would still exist. Why? Because the people are still going to want to worship and hear the preached word of God and have the sacraments. And uh, um, so, anyway, don't uh, you know? Don't be scared by what I just said. But um, <laughs> but but you you you. I hope you're following with the the emphasis there that that those are the two kind of main things. Um, but also, actually, uh, let me read to you the very ending of Matthew's gospel, and you might remember this uh, paragraph as being called the Great Commission. And just hear what Jesus Christ says when leaving uh, uh, right before his ascension. You know, this is the resurrected Jesus walking around with his disciples, and he's about to be ascended. 
and, and leaving them. And he says, uh, now, the ele- now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain uh, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can meditate on all that's being so much happening in those three or four verses. Um, You have the making of disciples related to the sacrament of baptism. That discipleship is connected to baptism. Uh, there, there, you know, if, if someone becomes a believer like the Ethiopian eunuch, there's some water. What prevents me from being baptized, right? I mean, it's a sort of sign, seal, and deliver of the, the faith that is now in this person. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and the Trinitarian formula given there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and, uh, and, and the preached word. Uh, teach them everything that I've commanded you, including the breaking of the bread and the um, sharing of the wine, the other sacrament, Holy Communion, but everything else that that, that he had taught. Uh, and that's the church. I mean, he's giving sort of a, if you, you know, we're going through a visioning process that has a lot to do with a lot of things that are basically related to all that's being said here. Um, that this is the church Catholics sort of um, vision statement uh, uh, at, at large is, you know, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, so there's the church, and that's where the, the sacraments happen. Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> you could say that um, the sacraments can't happen outside of the church. Uh, we need each other. And by the way, the other thing I want to say about all this is if you're not a member of the church to join. I'm not trying to get joiners. That I'm saying you, you've got to be a member of a church. You, you can't be free-floating for too long, okay? And if the Advent's not the place for you, figure that out and find the place that is. But I hope to God that this is it. And if it is, most people are sort of middle of the road. They're like, well, church membership kind of is important, but it doesn't really matter too much. Most people aren't super on the polar extremes. I think that's the American culture right now. And I'm saying, actually, it does matter. It does, you know, put your, talk to Fontaine. She's got the paperwork. Get baptized or confirmed. And that implies membership. And that's where the, the, the sacraments happen. And that's where uh, the preached word uh, happens. So well, all that is sort of a digression. And I want to talk, talk to you about the sacraments. If the sacraments happen in the church, what are they about? Um, so if you skip down to uh, Article 25, is a sort of long-ish statement, one of the longer articles. You know, the longest article is actually on predestination and election. It's actually a pretty short uh, statement of predestination um, considering, but uh, the second longest might be this one on the, the sacraments. The sacraments prescribed by uh, Christ are badges and tokens of our profession as Christians. And more particularly, they are trustworthy witnesses of and effectual signs of God's grace and goodwill to us. By them, God works invisibly in us, both arousing and also strengthening and confirming our faith in him. So I'll just pause there. Um, they're, they're, they, they're not only, which means they are, but they're not only badges and tokens. What was the badge and token of membership into the, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament? Do you remember? 
circumcision. circumcision. Mm-hmm. Baptism is the new circumcision for the new Israel. It's, uh, you know, we're, uh, my wife's pregnant right now. We're having a boy. So we're humming and hawing whether or not to circumcise them. Well, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to legally anymore on the eighth day uh, because uh, what we really do need to consider is raising him in a covenant family of faith and having him baptized. Um, that that is the, uh, the, the new uh, circumcision in terms of the indelible mark that is the identity uh, uh, feature. And now not just for males, but for male and female. Uh, uh, is the sort of identity marker of the Christian. But it's not only that. By them, God works invisibly in us. And I want to say about the sacraments, both baptism and communion, that they are, um, they are worthless. They're just water and they're just bread and wine that is sort of poured or uh, someone is dunked in or whatever. is just water and it's just bread that, as one of the articles says, people mash with their teeth or wine that they're, they're merely drinking if there's no faith. If there's no faith in the room, if, if two or three or more are gathered and there's no faith in the room, then it's not a sacrament. Um, so it's not only a badge and token, but it is, uh, uh, um, it is, uh, is something by which God works in the person uh, by, by means of the Holy Spirit. And that's where the sacrament is, is where the faithful are gathered and, and taking it. And so here's the next paragraph. Christ our Lord has ordained two gospel sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, or we might say communion. Um, and now there are a lot of people, I, was just, I, I think I mentioned this recently, we just finished the first season of The Crown. Uh, <laughs> do you know about this, about Queen Elizabeth um, <clears throat> starting in the 1940s? And there's this big conflict with her sister Margaret about marrying this guy uh, whose name is escaping me. But um, the Archbishop of Canterbury and some other bishops, Church of England, Anglicans, they have the 39 articles come. This is a mistake in the crown. And they come into the, the queen's uh, office and they're conferencing with her about it. And they say, matrimony is a sacred, uh, is a sacrament of the church. Well, that's wrong. It's not. It's not a sacrament. It's sacramental. It's a rite of passage, but it's not a sacrament. And there are several other that others that people often talk about as a sacrament. Um, but Christ never commanded. He he blessed matrimony, you know, at the the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Uh, but he never said this is something that, that that everyone in the church must do. As a matter of fact, Paul says some might abstain from marriage. But so the two. Uh, Sacraments are only baptism and communion, and some other churches disagree. Uh, and remember, this is responding to the medieval church at the time, but we still face this today. The five that are commonly called sacraments, namely confirmation, penance—that means um, confession, <clears throat> ordination, matrimony, and extreme unction—which is the sort of what, are, what do they call it? The um, the last rites. That's what they mean by extreme unction are not to be received as sacraments of the gospel since they have in part uh, developed from a false understanding of apostolic practice and in part uh, represent states of life allowed in the scriptures. Moreover, because they have no visible sign or ceremony commanded by God, they do not belong in the same category as the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So it's not saying that, you know, it's not saying don't do these things. It's saying just don't, it's a totally different category. It's a rite of passage. And so confirmation, which we've been talking about, is um, 
you know, all may, uh, but none must. Okay, so May 7th, if you finish this class and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't need it. <laughs> uh, no sweat. That's totally fine. It's an opportunity. Um, and it's a great opportunity um, to, to sort of, if you've never done it before, especially if, if you were baptized as a child, to have an opportunity as an adult to own your faith publicly. Um, and so, so all may, but none must. Uh, and the, uh, that's not true for all of these, uh, you know, uh, not all may be ordained. Not, not all may be married uh, because it just it just doesn't work out in terms of uh, their calling in life. Some just don't get married, and that's fine. Uh, and, and, and some do, uh, and it's totally equal. Um, and you, you're, if you're if you have the saving faith, and and a priest doesn't come to your hospital bedroom while you're dying and and put oil on your forehead. Don't worry about it, you know, <laughs> or your family member. If if I don't get there in time before the person dies, uh, if they're saving faith, that's totally fine. It's a, it's an indifferent thing. It's nice uh, to have a minister maybe come and visit the person on their deathbed, but it's not absolutely necessary. It's a pastoral um, it's a pastoral thing. And a great opportunity sometimes. So the sacraments were not appointed by Christ to be a public spectacle or to be uh, paraded for adoration, but to be used with due discipline. They have a beneficial effect or working only in those who receive them worthily, whereas those who receive them unworthily bring condemnation on themselves, as St. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians. So two things... And again, this still happens, and, and actually you'll see it, unfortunately, in, in places of the Episcopal Church, where the sacrament is um, is um, adored visually, and it's a misuse of the sacrament as meant to be an ordinary means of grace and taken. It's a meal. It's not a sacrifice on an altar. What we call an altar really is a is a is a dining room table, <laughs> is a helpful way to think about it, um, and that's the way Paul actually talks about it in this passage in First Corinthians, uh, and he says, you know, if if you're really hungry, uh, eat a little snack before you come, uh, but it is he talks about it like a meal, <laughs> um, you know, don't come to this gluttonously. Uh, and, and neither should you have some sort of hierarchy and distribution that we gather together in a matter of our station in life equally. And that's another thing about the sacrament is as a horizontal operation that it's not, you know, I can't, even though I'm ordained, um, I can sort of try to in my office sort of have, say the prayers with the bread and wine and take it. But it's not actually communion because another person has to be there. Uh, because communion implies not only communion with God, but communion with each other, which is why uh, it's important to sort of examine one's life in terms of one's relationship with the other folks who might be in the room before taking it. Um, if there's a person in the room with whom you have a uh, sort of uh, a, having a, a major disagreement and you'll avoid that side of the church, you two of you actually shouldn't take communion. <laughs> That's the scriptural command uh, to take this seriously. That that, that it's not that that that, that um, you're not in communion with each other. So don't pretend. You know, abstain this Sunday, 
go uh, make reconciliation and come back next Sunday and celebrate the reconciliation that you have by taking communion together. Um, <clears throat> so that's the, 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 uh, the sort of what's going on here in the last paragraph. And the other thing I want to say about it unworthily, that's um, one way you can take it unworthily, is a believer um, not being uh, repentant or uh, in examining one's life before uh, taking uh, communion. But uh, for a person who is unfaithful to take communion, as I said before, uh, remember, if you were here before when I taught the lesson about human nature and I said you can have one of two relationships with God, God's righteousness can either be given to you or it can condemn you. And that's sort of what's happening here, that the the sacrament is a is an ordinary means of God giving his righteousness to you. And so it can either be given to you, imputed to you, so that when God looks upon you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, and not your unworthiness. Or it's just, it's, it's confirming the lack of relationship. Uh, and so, uh, so it's not a, a great idea to, to take it without faith. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, well, I'll just read it now. I was going to read it. Well, then, no, there's a, there's a whole article about this, so, so I'll sort of move on. Um, the next one I won't read in depth, but the unworthiness of ministers. Basically, this is really nice. If the uh, and you've seen this, I mean, I know some people in my own life who had a total, a major falling as a pastor. You've heard all the stories, right? And you think, gosh, I sat under his teaching for years, and I took the sacraments from him. You know, uh, gosh, you've probably you've heard people say that before. Um, this this article is saying. That's okay. That God was that God was at work, and not that man. Um, that the sacraments is not about me, and because I'm ordained, I have magic hands, and I can now like turn this into the body and blood of Jesus. Right? I mean, people actually talk about it that way. This this is saying um, if the if the if the if the if the if the pastor doesn't have magic hands, you know, what I mean, if the if the pastor. Uh, is uh, has a total ma- moral failing, as the phrase that people use, right, in the in the news. Um, if the pastor has a moral failing, uh, and then is no longer uh, the pastor of the church, the sacraments were still valid when you took them from him or her. The preached word still had an effect. The Holy Spirit uh, still, because you know, I, even I'm not in the midst of a moral failing, but. But the, uh, the 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 preached word that's coming out of me is is not me. It's the Holy Spirit at work. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that's what's what this is a nice pastoral measure that the articles sort of confirm uh, what's going on on here. But what I wanted to say about that is, but I'm a sinner too. You know, I mean, all ministers are sinners. <laughs> all ministers are all Christians are sinners. And and so even <clears throat> even if the the, the pastor is having a bad day. The sacraments are valid, okay? Um, I mean, this concerns some people, and it probably concerns some people to to really a great deal back then because, as I said before, remember the book of homilies they had to produce because these guys didn't even know how to preach? And people were really worried about the state of ministers uh, back then. Um, So baptism, finally, we get specific. How am I doing on time? Five minutes, gosh. Um, baptism is a sign of the faith we profess and a mark that differentiates Christian persons from those who are unbaptized. And it is also a sign of regeneration or new birth by which, as an instrument, 
those who receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church. The promise of forgiveness of sin and our adoption to be the sons of God are visibly signified and sealed. And faith is confirmed and grace increased by virtue of prayer to God. The baptism of young children is under all circumstances to be retained in the church as a practice fully agreeable with the institution of Christ. Um, so a few things that baptism is a sign of regeneration. We have Ezekiel, the, uh, chapter 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones in church today. Um, those bones are regenerated, right? <laughs> Brought back to life. And uh, without the, as Andrew says in his sermon, um, first they hear the preached word and they look to be alive, but it isn't until Ezekiel prays to the Holy Spirit that they, they come to life. Um, and there are people, uh, I've said this before, basically the way I like to think about it is without fa- saving faith, we're basically zombies. I mean, that's the scriptural theology. Without saving faith, we look to be animate and, and, and alive uh, but there's not re- regeneration of the Holy Spirit in the person. And baptism is the sacrament that signifies that idea of, of new life. And not only that, but adoption as an heir of, uh, of God, uh, as one of his sons or daughters, um, given, uh, given the sonship or, or childship of Christ is given to us in that imputed righteousness. Um, and then finally, uh, uh, and and, uh, and, 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 the, and it's also the sacrament of the sign of forgiveness of sins, and that's most signified through the washing away. The water does, you know, does what? It's a, it symbolically shows you of something that's used to wash, uh, is a washing away so that when God looks upon us, he does not see our sins, but sees one that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then finally, the idea of children. Uh, which is a still a huge uh, uh, controversy that splits churches. Um, sometimes a church will have uh, completely identical theology on most other matters, but that's the one thing, you know. Um, and uh, often Presbyterians and Baptists, that's like one place where so many other things they agree on, but, but this right there um, is, uh, is the place of, of difference. Uh, and the Anglican church uh, historically and still to this day uh, baptizes infants because what we say is it's not about the individual person's um, uh, ability to 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 profess their faith. It's about God's work in their life and the community that they're raised in. And so for that reason, when I've worked with young couples who uh, want to have their kids done, and we never see them, you know, we've never seen them before, and we'll never see them again. I warn them against that. I say, look, what you're what you're doing here is you're you're, you're making a profession of faith and committing to the idea that you will raise this child in the Christian faith. And so if you don't do that, if you're not willing to do that, this is just a big farce. It's a lie. You're actually, there's a lack of integrity here. Um, and so when we baptize infants, it's not about the sort of the magic of what happens in the baptism. It's an agreement to raise this child in the faith. Uh, and so that's where we have the confidence to raise to, to baptize the child because we know they'll be in a covenant household where um, they're reading scriptures to the children, they're praying for the children, um, they're talking to them about, uh, you know, about Jesus. Uh, even if you, you don't feel confident in your ability to do it, just do it. Just start doing it and you'll get better. 
uh, is, is sort of my word to, to young parents. Don't outsource that teaching to the church, <laughs> um, which is often uh, uh, what people have done. Um, the, the church, in terms of the youth and children's ministry, is supplemental and not primary uh, to the raising of the child in faith. What about communion? Last thought, and then, uh, and then maybe um, some Q&A. The Supper of the Lord, so this is 28, is not only a sign of the love that Christians ought to have among themselves for each other, but is especially a sacrament of our redemption by Christ's death. Accordingly, for those who rightly, worthily, and with faith receive it, uh, the bread that is broken is a partaking of the body of Christ, and the cup of blessing is a partaking of the blood of Christ. Transubstantiation, the teaching that the substance of the bread and wine is changed into the actual flesh and blood of Christ, and the supper of the Lord cannot be proved by Holy Scripture, but is repugnant to the plain words of Scripture. Uh, overthrows the nature of a sacrament and has given rise to many superstitions. Remember what I said about the visually looking and adoring it? That's often associated with what's happening here. The Lord's Supper, uh, in the Lord's Supper, the body of Christ is given, taken, and eaten only in a heavenly and spiritual manner. And faith is the means by which the body of Christ is received and eaten in the Supper. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper was not commanded by Christ to be reserved, carried about, lifted up, or worshipped. So uh, uh, just as baptism is a a sign, and whereas baptism is a sign of things like forgiveness of sins, new life, adoption into, into God's family, this is a sign of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood and body. Uh, that was broken on the cross, that bled out um, as the sort of as the as the as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And the two things you might think about in terms of sacraments from Old Testament, I talked about circumcision that, that'll help you understand. Um, with the Lord's Supper, think of the Passover meal. Uh, this is the new Passover meal. Um, because it's a celebration of our exodus from bondage of sin. And slavery to to Satan and his demon demonic powers. It, it's a, it's a, as, whereas the Exodus was a sort of um, in uh, in the Old Testament was a, a liberation from the bondage and slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. Uh, the the uh, and the Passover was a, rem- a annual meal that was eaten together to remember. Uh, that uh, that event and all the different items had different um, symbology and still to this day you can go to uh, Passover seders and Jewish homes and they'll talk about that communion is like that in terms of remembering uh, the the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled on our behalf to take us out of bondage not of Egypt but of our uh, our our slavery and bondage to ourselves uh, to ourselves. Uh, and so that's an Old Testament way to think about communion. An Old Testament way to think about baptism, first of all, is Noah and his ark. Um, that uh, the flood was a sort of baptism. And without, uh, the, the, without God's work of the ark given to Noah, um, the, 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 we, would, we would perish. Uh, and another way to think about it is again with the Exodus, where the where Israel passes through the Red Sea, 
and is saved. And without that relationship with God, like the Egyptians are washed away, uh, not in terms of washing away of, of uh, uh, forgiveness of sins, but uh, washing away in terms of condemnation. Uh, and, and by the way, if you think about the Red Sea, they walked on dry land and were not touched by the water. And so symbolically what was happening is, is, is important, but the, the, relation, the covenant relationship with Israel and God was the most important thing. And so when we quibble about whether we sprinkle water and fully dunk or whatever, um, it's a secondary issue. Um, and pastorally, all sort of bend to people's wills on that matter. But it, 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 it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, just as Israel sort of passed through the Red Sea and was untouched by the water and still sort of baptized in a, by, as a nation, the same is uh, true for baptism to this day. And then finally, transubstantiation with uh, communion. Um, it, it, it's, it's, what we do in there is not meant to be a superstitious ritual. Uh, it's it's a as I said it's a it's a community meal, an ordinary means of God's grace, which is His love for us, although we don't deserve it. Um, that is meant to be taken uh, then and there, uh, and just as the preached word that we hear can uh, can reassure us of of the faith that we have, in a different but similar way, so does communion. Um, in a way that's uh, tangible and physical to us, that sometimes that uh, allows it, it sort of reaches the heart maybe in different ways than than simply talking. Um, that, that that mysteriously the Lord's Supper works in our lives in a, in a similar but different way than the preached word. And then finally, uh, the participation of unbelievers. I'll just bring this up because I. Uh, uh, brought it up before. This is the flip side of the unworthiness of the minister. Remember, I said it doesn't matter if the minister is unworthy, but it does matter if the recipient is unworthy. Um, and so I'll I'll uh, say you know and I invite you to consider that um, and uh, and to accept that the these ordinary means of grace uh, you know uh, t- uh, to your, to your benefit. Any um, According to my clock, we have, still have a few minutes before we need to take off. Any questions? Maybe one or two? Yeah. Um, so <coughs> baptism not being a um, you know, public parade, what do you do? Kind of make it a public parade. Interesting point. I mean... And I guess maybe it's maybe it's the parade part. It's like after right. the baptism, and then you know, the church we do. I mean, I remember when the dad walked into the baptism. Right. Yeah. 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 People entering church and dipping their, and uh, and having the thing and, and you know and it's not a baptism it's like remember your baptism but it is I think it's it's what they're talking about is as some of these other superstitious behaviors and actually uh, there would be processions through the city parades which is kind of a a neat idea but baptismal water might be used in that in terms of like spraying buildings and. 
and christening boats and, th- and things like that. I mean, you know, the boat can't be baptized. Um, I think that's actually more of what they're talking about. But you bring up a good point that maybe we ought to, to consider that. And actually, I prefer private baptism over public baptism uh, for, th- for that reason. Uh, and, and people will say, well, you know, it's not public and, um, uh, and there's problems with that. And I understand that spirit, but it is because, again, where two or three or more are gathered. Yeah, there's all the, the sort of small congregation there. Um, uh, if you uh, if you want to learn more about the, before we go, um, by the way, there's a section in the bookstore that says inquirers class. It's kind of like right opposite of the um, the uh, cash register. There, um, we've been bringing up books in this class that we recommend for reading. Uh, there's two very short books on the bookshelf there. Uh, about baptism, but remember what I said that you can the the theology is quite similar to both, so you can extrapolate what's being said here about baptism and apply it to communion uh, and this is uh, uh, not uh, an Anglican book but but good what Christian parents should know about infant baptism and even though again even though it's about infant baptism, you can apply it to to older children and adults but here's one from the Anglican tradition. Uh, by John Stott, uh, who wrote famously Basic Christianity, which you might be familiar with, the Anglican Evangelical Doctrine of Infant Baptism. Um, and she's got the thing that we prayed the kids about. <laughs> um, but uh, so so uh, there's two books there, and also commend to you the bookshelf with all the, not all the titles, but some of the other titles, but all of them you can find easily on Amazon. I think Fontaine's been emailing the titles out, but probably for next class, I'll bring in a, a list of all the different titles if you want to explore these things even more. I'm sorry, there's so much more we could say. We should probably really do a communion class and a baptism class. We're always short on time. It's not the end of the story. If you want to know more, uh, there's some place, some resources for you. I'm always open to talk about these things, especially around this matter, um, you know, there's so much confusion uh, and, and clarity is so helpful. So if you'd want to uh, talk more, my office door is, is open for that. Well, let's pray before we leave. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for um, giving us, uh, through your Son, Jesus Christ, the sacraments of baptism uh, and the Lord's Supper uh, to confirm your love, uh, even though we did not deserve it, that you've given a, a, a faith, a saving faith through your son, uh, and, uh, and you reassure us week by week through the, the sacrament of communion. Lord, help us to send your Holy Spirit to help us worthily receive it. Uh, we pray these things by Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.